This is Everything Elite, the world's first and best All Elite Wrestling Podcast. It's AB. I am joined, as always, by the returning Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Please refer to me as Hollywood Mike from now on. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel like that that's something that we haven't had someone take on a holiday nickname anytime soon, but I don't think it works for me. But I'm doing all right. I'm I, I'm pulling a, a big cat over here. I I hit a brick wall with jet lag about 25 minutes ago, so this is going to be a wild show. How are you doing, AB? I'm exhausted. I'm so tired. Uh, but I'm here. We're little so, babies. Yeah, I'm a, a huge little baby. Huge little baby. <laughs> That's not even funny. That's how tired I am. Uh, Nate, I think, has on basketball shorts after giving me shit earlier for wearing basketball shorts. Could be pants, though. Hard to <laughs> they, say. They are, they are track pants. Okay, sorry. I was not giving you shit for wearing basketball shorts. As I said, everyone wears basketball shorts. Hmm. Nate is just, also here. I'm here. Okay, Epitasis, uh, our local like basketball short expert. <laughs> I like Mike uh, introducing his new nickname and then immediately backing off it. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, Hollywood. I I thought I could be a Hollywood, but as soon as I said it out loud, Nate, mm. knew, knew it was not to be. I, I don't have the demeanor, you know. Sure. I, I, you know, out of anyone here, you would be Hollywood, Nate. You'd be Hollywood Epitasis. Thank you. I think that's uh, probably true. I am extremely Hollywood. Um, I am. Uh, I guess I have to bring the energy today, since both of you are exhausted. Oh, uh, I'll so bring the energy. Challenge. It's going to be loopy oh. today. Okay, loopy's fine. I was going to say I'll, I'll I'll bring the energy high up top here, and then we'll see how far down I get dragged by the end of the show when I just want to go play Crystalline Conflict. Crystalline Conflict. That's not new. Final Fantasy 14, is it? <laughs> it's the new Final Fantasy 14 PvP the mode, Mike. Oh, wow, man. Uh, are you doing some ranked here? Is that I what am, you're into? I am doing some ranked. Um, I'm very bad. I did. Uh, I, I got up to like the highest level of bronze and then just uh, spent all of yesterday evening crashing back down to the, the lowest level possible. So that was a success. Um, but yeah, pretty fun. They basically just made a whole new game mode uh and and new classes for it uh and it's a little it's a little uh multiplayer online battle arena style you mean that it's almost like a moba i would say it's almost like a moba wow aaron what's your favorite moba are you you're you're a heroes of newsworth fan right i'm a michael mobius fan (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah michael mobius (laughs) three weeks late three weeks late late. oh he's burying the the timeliness of your hollywood joke aaron (laughs) this is why you're in hollywood this is why cannot be hollywood aaron bentley I feel like I've seen Morbius jokes more recently than that. Mike, you weren't in the woods for like a fucking week. You didn't see Morbius yeah, jokes. Yeah, I didn't continue. have a phone, man. Yeah. Also, I, my I, other I, I was enlightened. I was enlightened <laughs> last week. Okay, catch me up. What happened over the last week? That I need to know. Well, okay, Morbius was big, as you can tell. <laughs> I have yeah, another yeah, joke. Hold on. My <laughs> listeners, <laughs> everybody at home. 
<laughs> pull your car over to the side of the road. Yeah, <laughs> you are. Tell you close your office door. Here comes Aaron's second joke. My other favorite MOBA, the Museum of Modern Art. Thank you. Modern? Did you say modern? I said modern. <laughs> modern. Oh yeah, that would be right. Okay, that was good. I like that. I didn't catch it, but I, I like the theory. There's so many better ones you could have done there. Museum of Bottom Art. Well, I'm not uh, a pervert like you, Mike. Hollywood. Ooh, got oh, him. wow. Oh, wow. So one of these, Mike's one of these stardom fans that are blowing up our Twitter. <sighs> He's one of these that, that, crypto that's on perverts. Crypto? Have... Now, let me know that. I, I, I can't even. Uh, crypto, crypto pervert, crypto. Mike Spears. That's your new nickname. I How went, uh, dare you? I didn't pay a lot of attention to this show because I was. I don't know if you guys noticed. I went crazy on Twitter this evening. Just tons Yeet. of tons of interactions. I noticed because I got a lot of. I mean, there were a lot of uh, numbers on the old badge every time I loaded up Twitter. Yeah. So uh, I was I was mainly you know that's where most pro wrestling happens is on Twitter. So I uh, you know the the in ring stuff it uh, I, I missed probably a lot of it. Just uh, disclaimer there. I mean, isn't the, the the real heat nowadays being able to post the most you can and run up the score? Yes. 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 It is. We all we're all in agreement. <laughs> ah, all right. Um, I think we're going to. Oh wait, I I do plugs first. Everything AEW is our Twitter account. Hit that up. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, yeah, with two eyes. You can subscribe to the podcast. Do it. Uh, whatever podcast app you use. If you use the Apple Podcast app, give us a five-star rating and review. If you use Spotify, give us a five-star rating. And if you want to support the show, the very best way to do so is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. Um, no elite or delete this week uh, because we're going to kick off the show talking about the forbidden door, door, door. Audible, 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 audible. Yeah. Omaha, Omaha. <laughs> wow. Uh, basketball shorts guy with the sports joke. <laughs> <laughs> so to explain this is we're, we're reminiscing about the ESPN zone, as of course we're all want to do. Uh, and, you know, all of my, my co-hosts, my friends, we're all talking about how you know, they used to love ESPN and, and Sports Center, and this would be like appointment viewing for them. Thoros would get up and watch Sports Center in the morning before school, which is sick. Uh, and I just said, you guys all remind me of the guys who would wear like basketball sports, basketball shorts and a little white, you know, basketball shirt to school. And they'd be like, I'm the basketball guy. <laughs> Remember the and, ESPN and was like, was like, how dare you? How dare you? not wear basketball shorts. I'm like, of course I wear basketball shorts. So that's our DM conversation. Uh, ESPN <laughs> phone. That does sound familiar. Uh, doesn't stick out in my memory like the Nokia Engage does. Right. Uh, this was a Nokia product, if, I'm, if memory serves me right. Like it Nokia. probably sounds right. I only encountered one of them in the wild. And I... For, for the young kids out there, ESPN decided they wanted to have their own launch cellular plan, which was basically said like, hey, you get sports to your flip phone. 
And it was like, you could, you could see all the live stats and radio to your flip phone. And they made people charge, pay like 20 bucks a month for this bullshit. On top of being a bad phone, I, I encountered one person with it, and I was like, "Do you like it? Like, why do you even have this?" Is like, I get the sports score straight to my store. My this, he wears his little basketball shorts, and he goes to the grocery the store, and he's guy. like, "I gotta get the latest score from my." Is that a Texas Rangers hat? Yes, that is Texas Rangers. Texas hat. Rangers game. I gotta see how many RBIs Nolan Ryan has. <laughs> Ah yes. Now you're famous. being deliberately anti-baseball. <laughs> well, I am anti-baseball. I'll say that I'm pro basketball and shorts. But see, baseball—they don't have shorts at all. They have their little pajamas, and all these grown men go out there in their little pajamas, and they go, "Do I love Nolan Ryan." You're the only one baseball player of all time. That's it, Karen. Yeah. I was Jim Abbott. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, Jim Abbott. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nate, forgetting about the Chicago White Sox that played in shorts. There were See, baseball shorts. They should bring that back. That would be Nate, huge. I mean, you know, uh, uh, shorter shorts are fashionable now. Hey, so, like, if a baseball team thigh. came out and, like, see, the problem is now the baseball players, like, look like athletes. You can do it in the NBA where all the guys are, like, athletic. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 You the don't want to Ryan out there in hot yeah. pants. I don't want to show my calves and thighs. You don't want to see what Nolan Ryan's interpretation of higher the thigh, closer to God. The the real problem is baseball players all have huge fucking dumpers. So <laughs> the short, like the short shorts, I mean, you just have a lot of cheek in baseball. A, a lot of diaper butt. It would look, we'd have a lot of people looking like they have diaper butt. It would be the same thing that happened to Trump uh, during his presidency. They're all going to look like they have a diaper on. I can uh, confirm this about the dumpers uh, because, of course, famous baseball player Michael Elgin did one wrestle match in <laughs> Berlin against Cedric Alexander. And uh, at some point during the match, I don't remember why this came up, but he put his uh, he put his little rump on the second rope and said, how about this dumper? <laughs> swear to God Sid, that happened. Said also a thick boy, as I recall. I haven't seen him in a while. Who? But I, I think so. Cedric Alexander. Oh, yeah, but that's like that's like good thing, you know. That's like sure, sunny kiss, you know. Sure, I I agree. Crypto pervert Mike Spears agrees. I'm confident. I missed the thread how he how he's crypto pervert now. Aaron just cited it unilaterally. Okay. No, he said it should be the Museum of Bottom Art. I think that was clearly a perverted. Uh, statement. Crypt by crypto, because he pretends that he's not perverted, Nate. Oh, I but assumed like cryptocurrency. I was like cryptocurrency. Th like there's crypto no pretending fascist. whatsoever. I just don't I think anyone it. needs to hear it from me. So oh. yeah, Mike's now admitting that he's a huge pervert. Th th that has always been the backing <laughs> of it. <laughs> Museum of. B -b -b I got nothing. Bavarian. I was going to say Bavarian art. art to make it, you know, okay. related. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not interested in doing a segue yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And we got like another like eight minutes of feeling this out here. <laughs> okay. Uh, Bavarian art, the Museum of Bavarian art would be the least sexy thing possible. So we're, so we're taking that down right there. I do want to address one of the, uh, one of the criticisms of the. So I tweeted from the EE account this excerpt from the. Sports Illustrated interview with Tony Khan and, and President Obari, uh, where at the end they talk about how, oh, you know, never say never with respect to an AEW versus stardom show. 
and all these people are quoting it going, uh, oh, you know, the AEW, they couldn't hang. They need to fix their women's division. You know, the they're not ready for stardom show. The stardom women would, would eat them alive. Yes, that's absolutely what would be tremendous entertainment about it is seeing the stardom women defending the honor of Japanese women's pro wrestling and stardom, their home promotion, uh, and just beating the shit out of a bunch of <laughs> AEW women. Other than I mean, Lady C would, would drop to Jay Cargill, though. Like, that has to be a match happening. Lady yeah, C think, has to take to Jade. Yes, I think Jade Jade would do fine, I think. Um, you know, she would tower over whoever they put her in there. Um, except maybe Lady C. Is she the super tall one? Yeah, the the, the, the only person that debuted for, like, four years. Up until, okay. like, a couple months ago. Yeah. So that'd be good. Uh, but, you know, getting fucking... Oh having a hard time pulling words or names who would ruaka the 13 year old monster face <laughs> oh i think ruaka the 16 year old monster i think she would have to face sky blue <laughs> i was gonna say sky blue yeah <laughs> i also want to see i, I want to see the judo sisters against the ass boys Ooh. okay okay but you know they're about to put they're about to put, put a lot of things aside at this point aaron who like are the judo, judo sisters uh, well, you you got your Hanan Hina and Re- well, it's really okay. Hina and Rena, but Hanan is their older sister. Yeah, gotcha. but one was in Queen's Quest, and the other one's in Oedo time. Right. Oh, so you mean they'd have to put a lot aside as far as their uh, their right. feelings? Yeah. Well, about each other. When, you're, when you're defending oh, your home promotion, you know those those lines blur. Family honor too. Yeah, of course. I mean, you could do, you know, Layla Hirsch against any of the Judo sisters. Um, right for Layla a, Hurst and, versus know. Death Yamasan. Come on. Oh yeah, yeah. We gotta have that. Yeah, yeah there's a yeah, yeah. there's a lot of fun matches, but I agree. The coolest thing would just be, uh, you know, Britt Baker just getting like the absolute shit chopped out of her. Yeah, um, and like I mean, how she responds. Britt has at least I think done a tour, so I think she would probably know what she's in for, right? As the Young Bucks would say, going to do one of those Japanese chops. <laughs> that's a that's an old ass young buck story. Who goes? Uh, what's her name? Rachel. Rachel. Ellering. Uh, Rachel Ellering. Yeah. yeah who she, goes? Did, Rachel Ellering core and gets very mad when they get chopped. I remember that. Were you involved in that? Where did you have a tweet that blew up about that in some way? I had a tweet me? and she blocked me. That's what it was. <laughs> From name searching, I suppose. Um, Remember when she was in the uh, AEW Women's Tag Team Tournament? I do. Yeah, she teamed with Dasha, of all people. That sounds right. I think Britt has worked exactly one stardom match. How did that happen? Was it in New York? Was it New York? I think oh, it, it had to New be, York, right? Yeah. I thought yeah. she did a tour. Chelsea no. did a tour. No, Chelsea, Chelsea did. for Brett sure. Brett was too busy driving two hours every week, you know, <laughs> back right. and forth. That's right. It is hard to do a tour when you've got to commute for your dental yeah. degree. No, Brit has uh, has never worked uh, stardom in Japan. Never worked in Japan okay. at all, I don't believe. Okay. I was mistaken then. So, yeah, that'd be fun to have her in there with uh, Siri. I don't know. Oh, man. I want to see Shida tie against, you know, just anyone, really. That'd be sick. That'd be fun. Ty, Ty would be a, she, you know, she'd get her dander up and start, start going at him. I think, right? 
She'd oh, go absolutely. Ty would not shy away. Absolutely. So Ty has to face Saki Kashima is what you're saying. <laughs> so Saki, yeah. so I followed a Saki Kashima super fan recently, I think. Is she good now? I would argue that she's always been good. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, we watched that one show where she wrestled Mayu. And, uh. Uh, so this is obviously the, uh, the AEW versus Japan content that everybody's looking forward <laughs> right. to hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was... And, and, now, and, and now, Aaron, we have fulfilled the time we can trans- transition. Well, and this, this was actually the point of my, my tweet, which is that now that we've gotten the thing we like announced, we're, we're just going to move on to the next thing and not be satisfied with it. Just go, okay, what next? Because that's pro wrestling. Yeah, I I was just I had let go of the reins and I was just waiting for you all to let me know when we wanted to move on. Uh, so it sounds like we've reached that point. So announced on the show tonight, they're going to have the thing that everybody's been talking about as definitely going to happen for, I don't know, two weeks at this point, at least. Uh, Oli Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling. The United Center, June 26th, Forbidden Door is the name of the cool show. Cool looking graphic. The graphics got the two O's that kind of come together in a door. They need to get the doors from that one Royal Rumble where they opened big giant doors whenever somebody entered. They got to do that for this show. That would be sick. Uh, Obari was there. Uh, Jay White came they out. They didn't let Obari talk. Because he can promo for sure. He got a great interview on this uh, thing on Sports Illustrated. So let the man talk. Jay White suggested maybe a Bullet Club Undisputed Elite um, Alliance? team up. Alliance? That's a way better word. Alliance? So they did, They presented it super weird because they had Tony yes. Nobari out there to make the announcement. They threw to Adam Cole on a video screen when we had just seen Adam Cole in a backstage segment. So I, was he not actually there and they had to do it on a screen for some reason? Maybe. But, well, they said, well, he said in that segment beforehand that he said he had something to take care of. So this was within continuity. Right. Okay. Good point. Uh, and he introduced Jay White, who came out, didn't, didn't get quite the reception that Obari got. Obari got a huge pop. Yeah, but it was weird. It's like, why are we doing it like this? Why don't they just... And then Tony Khan was fucking super weird in this <laughs> entire thing. He well, like, What's him talking on a microphone? Something that he's proven time and time again he's incapable of doing like a normal person. Okay, well, yeah. So like a, like a normal person, you're right. But uh, he does. It's extremely engaging. Can't miss television. Fascinating every time. The, as we try the, to unpack the psychology of Tony Khan on this show. Well, the best part was when Jay White's music hit and Tony tried to sell like utter surprise uh, about this happening. And he was like, <gasps> like, he, you know, he, yeah, he, he did a step back. He did an actual step back. He did. Uh, like, oh, my God, all the all the blow is gone. That was the face <laughs> that he made. It was wild. Uh, you know. Tony Khan. Anyway, this should be cool. I mean, they didn't really give us a sense of like what what the matches might be like. Though. Well, the Sports Illustrated interview, they did basically say be a lot of AEW versus New Japan matches, uh, but there's the potential of also having just New Japan matches or AEW matches on it. So, you know, I 
I think we talked on the Patreon show this weekend, Aaron, that I would guess, you know, Tony Khan is a fan. Uh, I think he's going to want to do big kind of dream matches, at least at the top of the card. I think you need a big punk dream match because it is a huge building and he is in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, I I really just want to see AW and New Japan matches. Uh, tags are fine. Trios are fine. Uh, but I just want to see guys mix it up who haven't mixed it up. That's really it. Yeah. Like, this is something where I feel like that the watermark has to be Punk versus Tanahashi, you know? I think it's I, Punk versus Okada. I guess Okada, but Tanahashi, you're on a clock. And what, you're on a clock with Punk, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're not wrong about that. I, But yeah, I, I think Okada is... Because I think, you know, you're trying to sell out... You're also trying to sell a pay-per-view. And you're also trying to sell out a huge building in Chicago. And I think Okada has the cachet among your quote-unquote casual wrestling fans, casual punk fans from right. the Omega matches that Tanahashi doesn't have with those people. But but at the same time, whenever they come to America, it's Tanahashi who gets the ace-like pop. It's not Okada. So even though Okada's position as the guy, Tanahashi's always been received more so as the star to international fans. Uh, 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 something that, since I've been away for a week, I was wondering if this got released. The fact that this is a terrestrial pay-per-view, I knew that their previous pay-per-view deal was about to come due. Did anything ever come out about renewing that? Because this would be their fifth pay-per-view for a calendar hmm. year. Didn't see anything about it. Uh, and I just listened to WrestleNomics today, and I don't think they had any discussion of it, so I don't think we have any news. Hey, Brandon, was there a new on-demand contract or on-demand slash in-demand contract? Thank you. Uh, well, we've we've set aside the top of the show to talk about this, and I'm not sure there's anything else to say about it. I, 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 I guess like the, the way I look at this in the greater scheme of things is I think that New Japan... Really, it took them a while to find the solid ground that Strong finally gave them. Like, their initial kind of uh, touring was not necessarily successful. Some of that was Visa-related, but it didn't really seem like it was something that was suited for longevity. Though doing Strong and then doing these big shows like this, and that with their other shows that they've been doing that's been like 2,000 to 3,000 seats, I think that that is, at least on the New Japan side, makes the most sense out of everything. I think this is... The, like the perfectly suitable way for them to expand. And I don't think AEW is really giving up a lot for this, I would say. I mean, they're basically getting a free United Center show out of this in a way. Yeah. And for people who might not travel to Japan, you know, this could be like getting some of the matchups that you would not necessarily get because they're not going to go to New Japan. So I, I think this, this is interesting. I, I don't think this is a seismic shift. This just seems like a natural evolution to me. Yeah, it makes sense for both companies. I think you're right, Mike, that they've, you know, kind of stabilized their American operation with the strong thing. I went to the Windy City Riot show, as we discussed on the Patreon, and, you know, there were guys on that strong roster who were not over as independent acts, and they got good reactions on that strong show or on that New Japan Chicago show. Um, and, yeah, I think mostly I, I, I think probably – from the AEW side, I think it's probably motivated by we just want to do exciting, memorable things 
because uh, we think that having an exciting product that people can talk about can speculate about can look forward to is part of what makes a wrestling promotion hot uh, i think they're 100 percent right about that um and you know i'm i am sure tony khan is fantasy booked you know uh, big interpromotional dream cards all his life so now he gets to do one uh and and that just uh makes for fun viewing you know always fun and wrestling when you get something that's you know, once in a lifetime, the one opportunity for Punk to face Tanahashi or Okada or whoever. Um, so it rocks. Uh, you know, they're going to get a big United Center gate out of it. They're going to get some amount of pay-per-view buys out of it. Uh, and yeah, you know, doesn't hurt to have... New Japan is not going to be like a threat to them domestically. Like, because they're never going to do American pro wrestling on cable television like AEW does. So... You know, they're not risking anything. They're not giving anything up by giving New Japan a little boost for their next, you know, uh, Washington, D.C. show or whatever it is. And as we discussed at one point, they now own all the footage of New Japan guys in Ring of Honor. So there's like a a nice little um, synergy that they can also get out of this footage wise. So, oh, yeah, for sure. That should be fun. Uh, and, you know, you know, Ring of Honor television. How often is Ring of Honor television like New Japan matches or like matches featuring New Japan guys all these years later? Uh, so if they want to, they could throw that shit up on Ring of Honor TV as they build up to uh, build up to these shows or this show. I assume there will be more in the future. Yeah, like content wise, I mean, they're already sending Dynamites over for Shinko to do commentary for. So the, this is just in lockstep to me. Like, is it a big event? Yeah, but if you take a step back and look at how things have been merging and evolving over the last year and a half, really, really ever since like things kind of became normalized during the daily centers, uh, the the daily place matches and uh, John Moxley's U.S. title matches over here, this just makes sense, you know? Yeah, and yeah, I think probably the record has proven us correct in. Uh, basically saying this would happen eventually. Uh, I think, you know, Dave Melcher's point from the beginning was it just makes too much sense not to happen at some point. There were hurt feelings when the elite left New Japan and, you know, started their own promotion on Japanese soil. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, as Tony, I think, put it, uh, what was it? Was it on Impact? Was it on that two-camera promo he cut on Nick Khan? You know, it, it's all the other promotions versus WWE, really, in, in terms of... Uh, uh, trying to save pro wrestling, I suppose. So it, it feels like it was inevitable. Makes sense for all parties. Uh, and I think, you know, really, because uh, <laughs> I'm a sicko, I was looking at the Japanese quote tweets of the Japanese New Japan announcement of this, uh, and they're all very excited. Uh, and there was also a lot of finalies. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, there was a pandemic that all these people would have to go back and quarantine for two weeks in Japan if they were to do this kind of show. So now it's, logistically possible where they can come and do a show and then go back and, and be on the next tour. Should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I, I don't foresee traveling to Chicago for this, but I'll definitely wow. watch it on pay-per-view. And yeah. learn to travel here to see Limp Bizkit, but not yep. to uh, see New Japan with his friend Nate. I, I mean, All Out kind of is my Chicago trip each year now, so I'll hold out yeah. for that. They'd have to book like... I don't know, Shingo versus Hook. That'd probably get me to Chicago. Ooh, 
Ooh, we get Chingo's commentary on Hook coming up at whenever that drops Ooh, on New Japan that's World. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Chingo, uh, a big Taz fan, we know. Y- you know, Hook is technically Dragon System, if you really want to boil it down. <laughs> wow. I-, I could do this in three steps, okay? Do it. So, so, of course, Hook's father is Taz. Taz and WAR had the first match for one Misaki Mochizuki. Misaki Mochizuki, member of the Dragon Gate roster. I mean, makes sense to me. Yeah, I've, it's okay. sound math. I'm there. Yeah, but no, that that's like the fascinating thing. I think is like, how do you package someone like Hook for this? Like, because you're going to get Hook involved, but how they treat Hook is so just drastically different than how New Japan's core ETHO is towards Young's wrestling. Right. So you can't yeah, like, I mean, they should, are they, they, they going to do Hook versus a Young Lion and just have yeah. Hook kill him? That's what I was going to say. Yeah, that's, that's what I do actually. Good. Way more. I don't know any of the names of young lions, but it would it would be also just a nice kind of uh uh style style con style battle. Style battle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that that obviously that was on the tip of my tongue. I don't know why I didn't want to say it. <laughs> I don't know why. But I was actually, another word. They should just make this super show a style battle. Yeah. They should buy those rights. <laughs> get, get the WWN graphic designer to make the graphic. Get rid of this current Forbidden Door one. Yeah, but yeah, that'd be a nice, a nice dichotomy between the American system and the Japanese system. Where I don't know any of the names of the young lions anymore, but you know, one of them comes out sprinting in his black trucks to no music or whatever the generic New Japan theme, and you have Hook come out and action Bronson looking cool and just you know dusts him in two minutes. That has uh, to Danny happen. pointed out in the chat that Kenta is also calling for the punk match. That's another match that makes a lot of sense. I know Kenta was hurt from Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I would hope he'd be back by. I mean, we also Ibushi hurt, Omega hurt. Those are all big players. Um, we'll see which, if any of them, might be ready by June. All right, well, let's get into the rest of the show. Speaking of CM Punk, he kicked off the episode of dynamite against dustin rhodes and he won with what mike calls me or tells me is called a deep jackknife after the match adam page came out he and punk faced off yeah so i liked that at the beginning of the match they went for the handshake at the exact same time it wasn't one guy putting his hand out and then the other guy meeting it they just did it at the exact same time that was cool that stood out <laughs> Uh, during the ad break, CM Punk did the did the spot where you part somebody's legs, but instead of like kicking him in the abdomen, he did a headbutt to the abdomen. Um, yeah, this I mean, not super different than a lot of what Punk's been doing. He's been doing a lot of like work a body part matches, and he's been selling the the leg damage from that Pentagon match. And this was largely built around Dustin hitting his leg on that uh, bump to the outside, uh, and it kind of. It, it definitely picked up, and the crowd got super into it and gave it a this is awesome chant, uh, largely because Dustin was moving so slow for a while that when he fired up at all, the crowd got super behind him. Um, and yeah, that crowd went crazy for it. Yeah, this ruled. Uh, that this I'm glad they opened this match, this show up with this so I could have the back of my head. Okay, are they going to give this, like, let this go time limit and just let them work the crowd? Because that's what they did. The crowd, at least for this, was incredibly hot. The crowd tapered off throughout the show. I just, it was something that, at least for me, something that's really 
that really keeps me with at least AEW some points is like watching people who like AEW is if you work for AEW, you're blessed by having the hottest crowd in wrestling. And as Shingo Takaki has said, the the this professional crowd and you know, having a crowd out there that they are able to keep the crowd as they were like working the leg man and doing like that, I thought was pretty remarkable. And Dustin, even though he was a little he, he was he was slow revving up. I mean, he did some insane stuff. I mean, his insane crash and burn that he did sliding to the outside was nuts. And I really enjoyed it. And, until later in the show, there was something I, I liked more. But for a long time, this was my favorite match on the show. Yeah, that crash and burn spot was sick. I enjoyed that. Uh, that was most of what I enjoyed in the match. Um, I didn't like hate it. I didn't think it was awful, but it just didn't appeal to me. Really? So, I don't know. No reason to really uh, shit on it. I just didn't really care for it. I mean, it's pretty slow to start. Uh, and it wasn't even... Uh, well, so, the like I said, they were doing this story with Dustin hurting his knee. Um, and Dustin even sold it like he, ju- he did a 10-punch spot and then jumped to the mat and hurt his knee on that. And I was like, ah, oh, my knee hurts so much. Uh, but even in a match where the whole story is about how much his knee hurts... He went to do his neck thrust spot, and he wouldn't do a back bump for it. He went down to his knees for the neck thrust spot, uh, which was funny to me. It's like, okay, so that's how much you don't want to do a back bump. Is you, <laughs> you're even going to do it here when the whole story is about how much your knee hurts. I, I mean, I'm forced to really respect the match because uh, they did almost nothing and got big reactions. So, you know, that is wrestling, and I applaud them uh, for relying on their star power. Um. Yeah, it was just I when a match starts slow, it's going to lose me. Like anytime somebody talks about a match they say, "Oh, it started slow, but it really picked up at the end." I'm gone by the end. I do not care by the end, <laughs> you know? Like you have to grab really, me at the start. You're really embracing the TJ Hawk ethos of pro wrestling lately. Yeah. Uh it's that's terrifying to me, but also true. <laughs> I'm not proud of it. Uh, it <laughs> makes me, you know, think a lot about choices I've made. Uh, but it does happen to be true. Uh, we saw Wardlow entering backstage. Uh, Smart Mark Sterling and AW Security meet him there. Mark tells him he's going to have to be escorted in and out of the arena, you know, to the ring and back. Also, he's going to have to be handcuffed at all times. Um, the highlight of this was Wardlow saying, Oink, oink, bitch. Yeah, so we talked on Patreon show about how I have a hard time finding people cool now, finding young people cool, especially talking about, you know, young wrestlers or young musicians where it's like, okay, I can I can kind of see through the cool act you're putting on. Uh, I did omit Wardlow from my list of actually cool wrestlers. Wardlow, genuinely cool, always comes across as a star on television, does the effortlessly cool thing uh, without looking like he's faking it. Um, you know, wears a suit well, uh, plays this perfectly where he just lets the guy put the handcuffs on him. And he's like, yeah, all right, man, let's, let's fucking roll. Uh, he's Somebody got a, get my bag. He's got a mellifluous voice. We don't hear enough of his voice, but I'm always uh, reminded of the BTE sketch at Arthur Ashe Stadium with the Dark Order where he's just extremely cool and has a very... Uh, mellifluous voice. So Wardlow, cool. 
Uh, yeah, I think I said this in the Discord maybe, but Wardlow, like what they're doing with Wardlow is all the good parts of the Attitude Era and none of the bad parts. Like it's, it's good. He's, as you said, Nate, he's got that like perfect way of responding to these, you know, pretty outrageous things if you like take a step back, but he does it in a way and responds to it in a way that makes it seem like not only is it, you know, sensical, it's like it, it makes sense in this context, but it's like, oh yeah, this guy's still cool in this thing. Like there's tons of guys who go to WWE and they're cool and Vince McMahon has them do like really dumb shit and they don't seem cool anymore because of that. Yeah, but Wardlow can do like anything and and be cool. I think it's something with him where I think because of like taking those good notes of the Attitude Era and how they've built it, the crowd knows he's going to get his comeuppance and he's able to play off the fact that I I I think the assumption is that he thinks he's going to get his comeuppance. Uh, he's going to be able to get his hands on MJF whenever. So like eventually it's going to happen. So he's willing to go through these trials. They're doing the trials without calling them trials again, basically right, with yeah. Wardlow. But they're doing it in a way where he doesn't come off like he he's persevering. He's like, all right, I'm just going to put up with this shit. I'm going to beat up all your security guards. But just know when I get my hands on you, it's over. And I think it really really works and it plays into like his easy coolness about it because he, of course he, he's calm and collected and this doesn't phase him he knows he, he can put all these guys through car windshields yeah he's not suffering the agonies of this storyline he's just powering through all these trials uh, and yeah Aaron like you said this is why I think Wardlow should be a movie star is in this he is Surrounded by a totally comical situation. He's got the cartoon character, Smart Mark Sterling, in front of him. Uh, and he both engages in it where it makes sense in the context of the scene, but is not drawn down to the level of being a cartoon, uh, which I, is is hard to do, I think. Yeah, that was a much better way of putting uh, the, the point I was trying to make. So I'm glad you said it. Let's just cut out the part I said. Let's go right <laughs> to the, but then you also have to cut out where he says, like you were saying, Aaron, you know, just cut all right. that out. Also, this part now where Aaron's talking, Mike, if you could cut this out, cause we're explaining the cuts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not cutting any of this. Yeah. God damn it. Mike. <sighs> Hollywood Mike Spears over here. <laughs> He's on his phone. Texting Steven Spielberg. Can't make any cuts. <laughs> You know, Annapurna is really interested in some ideas. I, I have a meeting going on with the Ellison, uh, Megan Ellison when I get back out there. Mike is uh, is optioning his IP for the Mike Spears <laughs> mental health meter into a new uh, animated series for HBO Max. I, I, you know, we're going across media. You know, Annapurna, they have some great games going out there. They, of course, are out there with with motion pictures. You know, the whole Spears of Innovation family of products being brought into the fold just makes classic sense. I think we get a cut of this, right, Aaron? Absolutely. It's yeah. in the contract. It was in the Patreon contract for sure. That's right. Ah, that's uh, the, the Blackpool Combat Club had a trios match with Brock Anderson, Dante Martin, and Lee Moriarty. Mox pinned Dante Martin, surprisingly, after a paradigm shift. Yeah, this was really fun. This was neat. This was cool. Great match to have. Uh can't even say anything about Dante because he's just amazing. Like <laughs> flips over Brian Danielson with like no cares in the world. Uh, I thought that Lee Moriarty kind of asserted himself. Well, um, is he maybe a Pittsburgh guy? Is that 
Yeah, he's a Yenzer. Okay. Uh, yeah, so he got he got a big reaction. Now that he came out hot uh, and went right at Brian Danielson, which was uh, I, I think I've uh, inflated the idea in my head of the Danielson Moriarty match uh, and made it out to be less less even or or we uh, had a, a less good showing than he actually did. But here it was like, oh, I got something to prove. I'm fucking hitting Brian Danielson in this moment, uh, and that worked out really well. Uh, even though I like this is the most I've liked Brock Anderson doing anything for sure. I had some nice body blows in the corner. Um, so yeah, you know, I understand people don't think Dante should get pinned here. That's fine. You know, you can pin Brock Anderson, um, but whatever, really. Yeah, it, it it's just the fact of they're pushing now. Top fly is a thing, and now. Dante's being pulled into situations where I, I can get the consternation there that, you know, Dante, it really felt like that it was onwards and upwards. And now he is the fall guy here. This was, was just a lot of fun. Lee Moriarty getting like a really awesome baby face, hot tag, local guy fire up thing with this. And, you know, after the match that opened the show being a much more slower paced work fest, this one going off to a flying start and just having a kind of constant pace and just enough Brock Anderson that I could, that I'm amused because how many Brock Andersons I know in my everyday life that, but that hit the special sauce here. This was just a blast. I'm not sure they care about falls and tag matches the way that say I do or new Japan does. Uh, maybe they don't, but certainly people in the, uh, uh, wrestling discourse machine, care about it and i think tony kind of pays attention to that i think that's true holy ray if goes on busted open and starts talking about how tony khan fucked up getting dante martin pinned and tony khan's gonna hear about it and think about it um <laughs> yeah i just i'm reminded of uh carl anderson i believe saying that when they worked wwe they would you know the producer or whatever would just tell him like this team wins, this team loses. And like, it was just up to them to figure out who took the fall or whatever. <laughs> it's like, how fucking insane. Like, whatever. Anyway, yeah, they, plan out, they plan out the entire match spot by spot, but uh, the, the winner, whatever. Right. Whatever. But it, at the same time, there's a difficulty, I think, that is endemic with U.S. wrestling. We were talking about this today, Aaron, about televised wrestling. I mean, you you're going to have... 52 shows they do six matches a week 312 matches just on dynamite alone with that i guess like the idea that one can argue that dropping a fall like here in the way that they do it against against john moxley isn't like it's a different thing than you know the the highly uh stratified and hierarchical uh booking strategies in japan you know i mean it's just two kind of oh, different yeah. playing fields so oh, and, for sure and, and it's just as weird. Like that's the, that that's I think the thing that everyone comes with. It's weird that you have Brock Anderson not drop the fall here. Like it just yeah. goes contrary to common sense. Yeah, Dante seems like the most pushed of the three. So that was kind of For sure, surprising yeah. to me. But as well, I, I did. Um, they announced that ten man tag for next week, and Dante's in it, but Darius is not again. So I wonder if Darius is is hurt again or why he wouldn't have been in either of these matches really. Uh, but if that is the case that, you know, maybe he's just out for three weeks or something, you know, then top flight may be still on pause, totally guessing just from the tea leaves. 
Uh, as for the match itself, uh, I agree about Moriarty. Like, uh, he definitely didn't strike as well as he did in this match. Like, that definitely has improved. And, you know, I, the way I was talking about Moxley, I don't know which show that was on, but just that I think he's on the best run of his career and that his strikes have really improved since he started this whole Danielson story. It's like maybe Moriarty also from his interaction with Danielson was like, wait, I've got to hit harder or, you know, I've got to make my strikes look better, not necessarily hit harder. So I thought he looked good. Uh, Brock, honestly, I've seen improvement in him, like in on the YouTube shows. Uh, I thought he was totally fine here. Like I thought he did a nice job. Dante, yeah, was out of this world. I really liked the finish. Like I thought Mox... That that spot where you like do some sort of move off the top and the guy catch you can often look shitty, but I thought the way they did it, it looked pretty cool. Uh, so I was a big fan of the finish, just not Dante taking the fall. All right, then we had Adam Cole, the Young Bucks, Red Dragon backstage. They're talking about how they've all lost recently. Adam Cole says, as a team, they can't be stopped. So to prove that, next week, they're going to do an undisputed elite 10-man tag challenge it was supposed to be an open challenge i guess it still was but they announced who it would be by the end of the show i think this might be the first mention of the name they did trademark uh and i credit myself for coining i'm not sure if that's true but i feel like it is in my personal narrative uh the undisputed elite uh and i like this because all these guys took clean losses recently which doesn't happen a lot in this company we talk a lot about how everybody has to be protected uh so they're going to you know, uh, uh, reassess and, and try to come together and get wins now. And they're all wearing black. They're not wearing goofy outfits anymore. Uh, and they're not fighting with each other. They're, they're trying to <laughs> turn all their energy outward. So hopefully no more, you know, constant, stable in fighting. Don't get too excited yet, Nate. Let's see how it goes. Uh, then we had a Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal video. Uh, and I just want to bring to the masses uh, my new idea uh, for all the Satinum Singh heads out there. We're going hashtag singers is our, our fandom name. Okay. So where does the, what's the, what's the pun? Singing like that. You're a singer. It, it's pretty yeah. patently there. Nate. Is, is that, well, I, I was giving Aaron a little more credit. I thought it was maybe a little more complex than, than just singer. Well, you know, I just feel like a I lot think of that's what we get. I think a lot of fandom names are just like you add like errs to the end of, of things, right? Yeah. I mean, isn't, isn't that common? Maybe. But in this case, I mean, his name also makes a word when you add errs to the end of it. Like hookers, singers. for example. Yeah, I don't really like hookers either. Yeah. Well look, that, that's a larger pun. Well, I guess there are equal yeah. levels of pun, but one of them's... Um, and they're equally as large. <laughs> um, see, I did almost tweet when, when, when Jose came out, I almost tweeted, Jose Hive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, do you have... I mean, you're the fandom guy of, uh, of yeah, the group. Do you have definitely. A, a better idea for uh, Satinum Singh fans like me? Uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to marinate on that. Okay, I'm, check I'm open back to and suggestions. Check back uh, on my Patreon show in two weeks. I just think we are a maligned group, Satinum Singh fans. And yeah, we're I think, the minority, yeah. 
and we need something to rally around to to bring us together and uh inspire community among the oppressed like us <laughs> sentencing fans sure not a not at all you know uh uh saying that it's it's not coming from the best of places and then it's not a necessary movement it's for sure uh, a group that needs to come together absolutely you know i'm I, i'm very concerned with the aesthetics of wrestling so not necessarily the aesthetics of the wrestling itself but the <laughs> the, the other trappings. aesthetics the yes, trappings yes. yes so i'm, yes. I'm gonna work on the branding a little bit i think satnam singh was was cool as fuck in this video also I'll let y'all know that the most AEW before this week that I saw from last week was a Satnam Singh video. And let me tell you, three for three, he rules. Is uh is Satnam big in Hollywood yet? Are the are all the Hollywood elites talking up Satnam Singh? You know, when I was speaking with Megan Ellison at our Annapurna meeting, uh she she brought up like, what do you think you could do for South Asia? And I was like, you know what? <laughs> I have my pulse on what who's gonna be the biggest breakout star. He's gonna be the one in the billion, Satnam Singh. And you know, they were like, We didn't think about this. We're gonna have to take a look at our slide deck and we'll get back to you now. Let's reconsider this. Yeah. We're making wow. moves. Mike this Mike's on big. the forefront here. Maybe I this am Hollywood. Maybe, maybe I am. Maybe That's you're right. Bollywood. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Hollywood meets Bollywood. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. The, uh, the forbidden wait. arched doorway that you see in India. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. That really rolls right off the tongue. That's good. Uh, we had the uh, forbidden door announcement after that, then a Marina Shafir video, which fed into Jade, Red Velvet, and Kiera Hogan backstage so i guess this is just uh, a group now and it closes with jade saying see you friday bitch as we roll into jade versus marina on rampage love the baddies pro baddie i'm glad that there is a baddie group but velvet being in there like velvet you, you know the the whole layla and chris statlander storyline ruined everyone didn't it you know just that turnbuckle you know and now Everyone has changed so drastically because of one turnbuckle shot. Yeah, yeah, we're ignoring that storyline because it didn't work and it didn't doesn't make any sense with where we're going out of that. So right, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, well, well, Velvet is a baddie. Yeah, yeah. Kara Hogan getting... is a baddie. So this is a this is a good this is a good next direction for him. Yeah, well, uh, Chris Atlander talking about bad vibes. We're, we're forgetting that too. Then we had uh, MJF come out. He said Wardlow does not get music. Uh, so Wardlow came out in handcuffs, fueling a lot of crypto perverts' um, imaginations, I'm sure. And it was Wardlow versus Butcher, and Wardlow won with the Powerbomb Symphony. Do you want to note this was a popcorn-heavy show? Both the baddies and MJF and Sean Spears were throwing popcorn around in their segments. Uh, Sean Spears throwing popcorn on the crowd. Um, so big, big night for popcorn. This was fun. This was a. Uh, this was exactly what you kind of hoped it to be. Like he goes through him, and you know, it's just you know. No matter what, he's going to get the uh, symphony on, and he moves on to the next big bad that he knows he has to beat up before he gets MJF. Like this, 
I, I have to say for a, a and we'll get into the TNT title stuff later. Like with how badly some of these other programs are going, they have nailed everything with the Wardlow turn. And I felt like that this was another success. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, you know, what I was theorizing is, oh, this might be the biggest test match for Wardlow, where they really work like a more even match and they go for a significant amount of time. Uh, and they just really didn't do that. They just kind of let Wardlow beat him. So, yeah, I mean, uh, he's proven to be good at that. Right choice. Also, I think like there was even spots in here where you could tell like, ah, eh, these two guys probably aren't both good enough to do some of the stuff you'd want to do in a longer match. So, you know, you're going to have to get him in there with uh, someone else to do like a, a, a work rate style match. All right. Eddie Kingston had a pre-tape. It's going to be him versus Daniel Garcia on Rampage. Everybody else banned from the arena. Not everybody else, but all the affiliated parties banned. Uh, but he wants Jericho to pay attention because everything he does to Garcia is what he's going to do to Jericho. You reap what you sow, but I don't sow, my man. I just reap. Great line. Yeah, very cool line. Um, I wonder if Jericho, what he's up to on this show, uh, seems like he probably wants one of those big New Japan paydays if he's going to work with New Japan guys again. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, he got like 250 grand for doing the the Omega match or something like that. No wonder if now he's like, I'm not doing that as part of my AEW contract. I need a second contract for that. <laughs> I, I I feel like that he should demand that and then have a match with like Yoshihashi. You know, just go wild with it. New Japan should sign uh, Dirty Dango and they should do Jericho versus Dirty Dango. There we go. I like that. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah that, that thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we had a, an Owen Cup qualifier. They're really focusing on Owen Cup now. I feel like that's cool. the the verbiage we're going with. Jungle Boy versus Kyle O'Reilly. I mean, I know I miss stuff sometimes, but I'm pretty sure Kyle O'Reilly won this with a knee drop. Yeah, top yeah. of flying knee drop. It was sick. Okay, uh, after the match, Christian came out, Jungle Boy apologized, they walked back uh, together. Yeah, I think that's a fine result. I, I was kind of more interested in seeing Kyle O'Reilly be in this tournament than Jungle Boy, really. And, you know, Jungle Boy's tag champion, they just beat these guys in tag titles. Uh, and Kyle O'Reilly has, you know, a, a significantly more significant singles career than Jungle Boy. So, fine result. Uh, this was maybe the first Owen match, Owen qualifier that had a question as to the winner, I think. Um, and yeah, now now you got a guy who can go out and have kick-ass matches like Kyle O'Reilly in the tournament. And he's Canadian too, which I think is a added benefit of this. Yeah, like this was kind of the coin flip, I think, so far of all the qualifiers. Match was a lot of fun. I, I looked at this match more as a learning experience for Jungle Boy. Like Kyle wrestles in a style that... AEW doesn't necessarily always do. So I thought that the fact that he acquitted himself well was really cool. And yeah, upset flying knee drop. I thought that that looked, uh, I thought that that was really cool. So I was like, Kyle, what are you going to do? And he won with a knee drop. I was like, I haven't seen that in a while. So yeah, you need more flying knee drops finishes. That was sick. Yeah, I thought it was good. Honestly, I expected Jungle Boy to win. I feel like he's a more established 
uh, singles guy in AEW. And uh, just and they were like, we literally just had a segment about the uh, undisputed elite guys not being able to win matches. So I just thought they might continue with that idea. Uh, but yeah, this is good. And like O'Reilly versus whoever is probably going to be a fun match in the tournament. So I'm in. That's good. Uh, we had MJF Sean Spears backstage. Uh, they're talking about the butcher not getting the job done. Uh, but there's more money where that came from. MJF brings out Jake Roberts, who for a while it was unclear how he was planning to take out Wardlow, but it apparently has to do with Lance Archer, who comes in and says he doesn't want money. He just wants to fight Wardlow. Yeah, this is a good character beat for, or not character beat really. This is a good something to do for Lance Archer uh, and fits right into this this storyline as Mike was talking about the new trials of MJF. So, yeah, I like this little uh, program they got going. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jake Roberts just being incoherent, talking about all you need is a snake to bite you once, and he's a snake. And it just was. And then Archer Command is like, I don't care. I just want to fight. I feel like that that's. I, I like the idea of MJF each week because he has really no one around him now. I mean, FTR faces. Sean Spears is now purely flunky. So. The fact that now he's like trying to go get like the assassins, like the whole Jeff Cobb and the inner circle thing. I, I think that's really cool. So I, I'm excited to see like, okay, Wardlow beats Archer. I think we could all assume that. Uh, wh- who does he go and get next? Like, I feel like that that's like a exciting thing about this is who is going to be the next person that MJF tries to buy for the night. I, I think that that's a lot of fun. Well, uh, you know, there was some flirtation between MJF and the great Okan, uh, but nothing's come of that yet. Um, I wonder if this is the test match for Wardlow where they do it longer because Lance Archer stronger push single guy than Butcher has been. So you think you got to give him more? Maybe, yeah. And Archer much more experienced than Butcher, too. You know, right. how about Billy Gunn? <laughs> Uh, uh, just handing the money to Billy to Austin and Billy just steps in just smiling yeah you could I mean I don't know whether we'll ever see him on Dynamite again uh, but you know Brian Cage (laughs) right I bring out Tully still with Brian Cage with Tully Blanchard Enterprises Uh, yeah that'd be that'd be sick if they got Tully Blanchard Enterprises off by just having Cage lose to Wardlow right away (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i don't know i'm just trying to flip through and think about bigger heels luther obviously you can't do satinum sing because he has to win no you you can't have him beat warlow yeah satinum sings one in a billion and what is warlow represent really mr freak beast yeah you got the freak beast oh he already Uh, beat him right yeah he oh yeah he beat him in some tape show yeah yeah uh i think we're gonna have to go outsiders guys i i think we're going to bring some people in for this might have to go handicap match right that'd be good yeah he can like book him in whatever match right that's the story so yeah Yeah. could definitely see handicap castle and the boys (laughs) yeah the gun club the gun club oh yeah i just i don't know if you notice guys but i just try to find ways to book uh billy gun (laughs) and the gun club he is your favorite wrestler now I, I honestly think he's your favorite modern wrestler in 2022 is Billy Gunn. I think he's your favorite. 
Yeah, I mean, other than uh, that uh, Ric Flair Jay Lethal match, you know, that was making the rounds, <laughs> that was also a great 2022 match. No, I I do legitimately love Billy Gunn in 2022. Okay. Hook made his dynamite debut against Anthony Henry. Hook won with uh, Red Rum. After the match, Dan Housen entered the ring. He's mad because he's not able to curse Hook. So now he wants to fight him. Uh, the strangest thing here that like Hook did not get big reactions, but Danhausen got big reactions. <laughs> like it seems like this has done poorly. This this angle. Yes, yeah, yes. It's almost like he flannerized a very cool act in record time, because the crowd now wants the cartoon act, other th- more so than the authentic, uh, genuine character you've created very uh, fastidiously over the last few months. Yeah, I mean, Mike picking up the ball here and running it as far as uh, my complaints that Hook has been flanderized because he keeps being in these cartoon character segments with Dan Housen. But I I have to disagree on this one because there was so much joy in the building when Dan Housen challenged him to a match. People went fucking wild. Uh, maybe maybe the second biggest pop on the show after President Dobari was Dan Housen saying he wants to wrestle Hook. Uh, so I, 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 I can't say it's bad. I can't say it didn't work because uh, now instead of one star, you have two stars. And Dan Housen, maybe the bigger star, hard to say, uh, but a rising Dan Housen tide lifts all Hookhausens. Um, I wish I hadn't said that. every time you say president obari i like have a split second of wondering what the fuck obama has to do with this show yeah yeah absolutely all right yeah Uh, i i i guess like yeah it got that reaction that's undeniable let's see what happens after this match and how hooks perceived but we've seen how how teflon people can be before i think hook can be but boy, you're really close there. You're really, really close. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I was tired of it on on Saturday's show. Um, but you know, m- most likely Hook's gonna kill him in thirty seconds. Uh, maybe that m- actually makes him a heel. I don't know if that's what you want to do. But as we'll see, they don't have any problem, uh, you know, changing their tactic if the crowd's going a different way, unless you're Cody. All right. Frankie Kazarian was backstage with Tony Schiavone. He's about to challenge Sammy Guevara, but Scorpio Sky interrupts. I says, hey, we're friends. You think you can wait a little bit on this? Because I'm going to go challenge Sammy, which Sammy did not appear to know. He was not watching the product. Um, When I win, you can have the first shot. Kazarian says, okay. But he did not look happy after Scorpio walked away. Yeah, I guess they have to find things for Kazarian to do. Um, so uh, this is a, a fine one. You know, I like that Scorpio just came to him one-on-one and just like with like normal person energy instead of like, you know, big over-the-top heel Dan Lambert energy. That was, you know, just a good little touch. Like, no, this guy's supposed to be my my old friend or whatever. Um, yeah, this is fine. Whatever. Yeah, this was fine. I feel like that kind of makes... Uh, it kind of makes uh, Frankie look like a chump, but you know, I mean, Frankie only wrestles on elevation and dark, so why should we care to begin with? It was funny because this was like a reasonably fine 
promo from Scorpio. And then he comes out, whatever, two segments later and does like a shit, his normal shitty promo. Uh, so it's like, oh, you could actually, if you would just like be a dude, you, you would be better uh, instead of this other thing you try to do. Uh, Thunder Rosa pre-tape. She says uh, one defense down and now it's time to go double or nothing. That's it. <laughs> That's what happened. I have some breaking news. Uh, Andrade just followed Darby Allen on Twitter. Oh, oh wow. wow. <laughs> he, he is back following Charlotte, right? Uh, I don't know. It's not on my activity tab. Uh, I think so. Probably. I think it's a safe assumption. Uh, then we had Sammy and, and Ty Conti in ring. Sammy says uh, the haters can be mad. Men of the year, Dan Lambert come out. Scorpio points out that people do not like them. Ethan Page uh, says, we want to beat you up, but Dan Lambert said we couldn't. And Dan Lambert said some stuff. And then Sammy says, okay, I'll give you a rematch if we get a mixed tag match. And then the music comes on and Sammy blurts out, okay, ladder match next week, you and me. Yeah, um... You know, like I said, that they seem to have gone in a heel direction with Sammy here. He had a new heel coat. That's a heel coat if you, you know, you just look at it. Um, and they were playing up the, you know, my girlfriend's hotter than yours. I'm going to make out with her, all that stuff. Uh, so that, you know, as usual, I think with this company, they don't just shut their ears and try and force whatever they want to work down people's throats. They go, okay, well, this people don't seem to like this this Sammy version. So let's go a different way with it. Um, I don't really think that should go hand in hand with let's also like make the men of the year like the faces here. I think they should still be heels, um, but I guess they have to be in this program together. I guess Scorpio has to get another title shot. Um, you know, I, none of those things that are, I think, the best usage of them. Um but, you know, it's not totally tone deaf, I guess, is what I can say positively about it. Yeah, like it, there is recognizing the sea change that's happening that, you know, makes it tolerable. I mean, Sammy and Ty really hamming up there. I mean, I mean, Ty basically ate Sammy's face in the ring, which, I mean, again, with the jacket, you just look at that kiss and you're like, OK, that's a heel kiss. And. Uh, timing it seems like that uh they uh ethan page just going insane for a minute killed the timing for sammy having to jump that in at right at the end right yeah i don't know what happened there uh there was a house of black pre-tape but i have no idea what they say in these i think they're mad at fuego they're gonna kill fuego <laughs> yeah yeah i i i did take two, two notes here aaron do me uh, i'll read them verbatim yeah go ahead and i'll in all caps, the house is changing the narrative. And Ooh. right after that, the house is owed a debt and the sun will die. Fuego's going to die. They want to kill Fuego. They want to kill him, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> You're death. okay with this, Aaron? Yeah, it sounds like you, you sound eerily calm. I mean, that laugh right there. Nate, I think Aaron's okay with the, with the House of Black killing Fuego del Sol. You know, I'm not shocked. I am disappointed. But I'm not shocked. Yeah. I, I like violence. I mean, have you guys just missed this? <laughs> right. Yes. I, I would enjoy an episode of television where the House of Black literally murdered Fuego. 
That would be entertaining to me personally. Hmm. I mean, I'm gonna have to consensual. Have to, you know, I, I would consensual. We go to consent to his murder. Breaking news: <laughs> They heard they're listening live. Andrade is listening live. Uh, he just quote tweeted Charlotte Flair. She said "Poppy" with a heart, and he said "Mommy." Love romance. I uh, love yeah. it. That's that's a beautiful thing right there. See, that's babyface romance. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Romance. No the, the favorite trope of the podcast. The Absolutely. official trope of the podcast. Okay, there was another <laughs> Owen Cup qualifier. Britt Baker versus Danielle Camella. Britt won with the lockjaw. She came out with uh, what I'm told are Steelers players. And after the match, she uh, did a tight five on why the women's division is a disaster without her. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I have to say match kind of exceeded my expectations. Uh, I haven't seen Danielle before, but uh, just from oh, you reputation. Have, have I? Vanessa Bourne. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, buddy. She was, she was, uh, wasn't she a Robert fave? Oh yeah. Uh, okay. So I didn't realize that. Um, but uh, you know, I thought it was a pretty solid little match. Uh, I don't know, you know, Britt, Britt was off for a while. Maybe she was nursing some energy or, or nursing some inner injuries. So she came out with, I think pretty good energy here. Uh, although the, the promo after was, she was definitely gassed for the promo after the match. Because, uh, and she, I think, kind of powered through it well. You know, you understood her clearly, uh, but you could hear the shortness in her breath. Danielle Camilla rules. Uh, her working the uh, the picture in picture and then choking her with a terrible towel. Fantastic. She called it Schittsburg, Nate. She's a fantastic wrestler. And this match was perfect. And Britt uh, was gassed but zooted in that promo. I think that's the <laughs> best way to describe it. She was gassed, but she was zooted. Really went hard on Tony. Really went hard on Tony. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense as a destination match for the right for her. Yeah, maybe that's the final. Makes sense. I mean, Tony does well in these tournaments. Like that would be a storyline about Tony and tournaments. My one, the May Young Classic, one the progress women's title and one she she's won both the cinderella and the five-star grand prix right i believe that's right i know she's won cinderella i think she won five-star fantastic tournament wrestler tony storm there you go get that to, to jim ross jim ross would salivate over that <laughs> yeah she, i am she I also am won the five-star i am disgusted that you know that she won the may young classic and the progress women's tournament like <laughs> You, yeah. you know how much my dumb brain is filled up with shit like this and not like how to ride a bicycle? Was that the first May Young Classic or the, the, the sequel? I think that was, wasn't it Kyrie who won the first one? Yeah, I, I don't know. Something like that. I don't know either. Like, I just uh, don't know. Now, now he doesn't know oh, who yeah. won the May Young Classic. All right, all right. Uh, let me look. I think Kyrie <laughs> did win the first one. Yes, look at me. Kyrie won the first one. She beat Shayna Baszler. And Tony beat EO to win the second one. Hmm. God, fucking hell world that <laughs> those people were all in and, WWE tournaments. Ugh. And that second one was that uh, Women's Revolution show. Hmm. Oh, I don't know. I, like, I honestly didn't apparently know that this ever happened because I do not remember this. Oh, oh, you didn't remember the Evolution show that was done as a counter content? Oh, yeah. No, I remember or... that. I just don't. I, I apparently didn't watch the second 
May Young Classic. Uh, qualifying match for the May Young Classic. Tynera Conti defeats Vanessa Bourne. Wow. Whoa. Yep. These these themes, they echo through history. They do. They just come back again and again and again and again. They do. And then Ty wrestled Jesse Elaban in the first round. <laughs> yep. That's Evolve Legend. <laughs> yes, Evolve, Evolve Legend. Legend Jesse. 2018 WWE right there. Man. Uh, I'm fucked up now. <laughs> okay. Uh, we had a Serena D pre-tape. She's challenging Hikarashita to a Philly street fight. Yeah, that'd be fun. Blunder. You know, they built this a lot. They had a video that played on the build with the hammer shots and the kendo stick shots, the leg and all that stuff. So uh, Sheeta said, I can't believe this is still going on so long or whatever. So that was cute. And then the main event, the coffin match, Darby Allen versus Andrade El Idolo. Darby won, uh, folks, by closing the coffin with Andrade inside. Had thumbtacks on the coffin to make it as painful as possible to fight being put in the coffin. Uh, Sting was here. Sting did more crazy shit. Oh, God. Sting wore a Sting mask. Always iconic moment every time. We'll never get tired of it. Would like to see him maybe escalate it, you know, maybe, you know, turn the stakes up a little bit. Maybe do two Sting masks where he takes one off and it's, uh, it's a guy in a Sting mask and does it again. Um, he's crazy. Fun match. Felt a little bit uh, abbreviated by the close finish on the television show. Talking about timing. Jose, though, powering through. Jose being the star. Uh, Sting being the star. Just was it just rocked. Like it was fun. Like it did feel like it was a little shortchanged here. I don't know if we got the finality for the Darby and Sting feud with this match i think that i was trying to uh, get to like really being like the feud ender but i thought the match i mean these two guys have had obvious chemistry over the last few months and this this was suitable but i just don't know if it had that it didn't really like offer the thing where like sometimes we have stipulation matches you're like okay after this this person is a winner this person yeah. is the loser didn't really have that air about it or at least not for me yeah, I think that's an element of it feeling a little abbreviated. Also, an element of them doing these big plunder matches in this feud three times already or whatever. Uh, I think probably they did intend for it to be sort of the final, the final chapter because the Hardy Boys came out on the ramp for no reason afterwards and just did delete motions. And that was like supposed to be a celebration or a period of some kind. Um so, you know, the feud really never rose to a level where it felt super hot or like it was, uh, you know, building to a big blow off. So it's kind of just fine. Um, but the match was cool. I, I, I was a little surprised Darby won. Um, you know, they gave Andrade one win off like a cheap heel finish, I feel like. Uh, and otherwise felt like Darby pretty much came out on top in this feud. Um I, you know, they obviously see Darby as a big star and have protected him and pushed him. So I wonder what he does next. Does he get in a title picture of some kind? Um, or just kind of keep having these feuds with Sting and, and random people? 
Yeah, it, it's something where you look at Andrade and you look at his tenure in the company, and other than that one win and then the one win against Cody, he really could have used it, you know? Like, where does Darby go to from here? Like, you're going to now have to do however many weeks you want to do to rebuild him into a program. And I don't know. It, it's something where, like, the, this was, like, the overall thing about this storyline with Andrade was he added so much energy to HFO and him and Matt and with Jose and, like, all that. But I feel like that the overall expectation, because he's been in the company for almost a year now. Like, it's been almost a year. And... I feel like that there was an expectation and there was a hope of him like instantly becoming this main event player that now we're looking at a year and he, I don't I wouldn't say he feels less of a main event player, but you look at where he could have gone and this is where it's gone for his first year. He really could have used this, I think. Yeah, I think they just, I think they just view Darby as a bigger star. Than Andrade, so Darby wins. Yeah, which you know, is the, the frustrating thing because what do you do if Darby after this win here? Like, you really want him to go revisit the TNT title again, or he's not going to be figure into whatever the world title picture is because that's going to be about Punk. Whereas with uh, Andrade, you would have an air of okay, you could do Andrade as the next person for the world title. You could build up Andrade for however the TNT title shakes up there. Now you're going to have to take the time to putting in those extra steps where he wouldn't need to if he if he didn't book him to lose this match. Whereas with Darby, who knows? Yeah, yeah, I think you can you can rehab, you can power up Andrade with this new Japan thing by having him with the LIJ guys with Naito, you know, have him team with Naito against somebody. That's a fine way for him to get a meaningful win on a show coming up. Um yeah, my question is more Darby, because yeah, the TNT title is now like firmly beneath him. <laughs> They've, uh, you know, the, 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 that program, that division, uh, is, is just treading water uh, and getting less hot because of it, I think. Um, and yeah, it doesn't feel like they're going for a world title program with Darby coming up. So, um, yeah, I think they'll just find some new personal issue probably for him and staying to go after some guys. Uh, but yeah, I would like, like a little more direction and purpose from what they're doing with one of their top guys. All right. Well, that was dynamite for this week. If you like our show, the best way to support us is to go over to patreon.com slash everything elite and sign up. We do our dynamite preview and uh, dark and elevation review. Mike and I do that on Wednesday mornings. Uh, we got our world tour rampage uh, review show that we do every week and um, that was me and Nate last week, and I don't know who it is this weekend. It's you me two. and you. Yep. Me and me and Mike will be at it this week. And we also uh, talked about Battle of the Belts on that show. So if if you want a Battle of the Belts review, we got that over there too. Uh, Mike and I will have this is Sting Part Two finished before the end of the month. So look out for that. Um, the Rampage show that Nate, no, that Mike and I will be talking about this weekend from Pittsburgh is the Owen Cup match, Adam Cole versus Tomohiro Ishii, the everyone band match with Eddie versus Daniel Garcia, Lance Archer versus Serpentico, 
the TBS title match, uh, Jade Cargill versus Marina Shafir. And they plugged two interviews also for some reason. So I think one was Swerve and Keith Lee, and the other was Tony and someone. All the women. Tony, yeah, Tony. Britt, Jamie, I think. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So there'll be a lot of interviews also in this one hour show. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I look at the show and I'm like, all right, maybe one squash, definitely, maybe two. And I'm like, really, you want to combine that with interviews and not just give us like 20 minutes of Eddie and Garcia? I'm a little bummed. A little yeah, bummed. I agree. I agree. That's right. Uh, then, of course, uh, they announced, like, basically the whole card for Dynamite for next week. Uh, Sheeta versus Deeb, Lance Archer versus Wardlow, uh, Dax versus Cash in an Owen Cup qualifier, Sammy and Scorpio ladder <laughs> match, and then the 10-man the with Undisputed Elite versus uh, Lee Johnson, Brock Anderson, the Varsity Blondes, and Dante. And we will preview that on light, Mike and I will, uh, next week. Dax and Cash is kind of fun. Um Wonder if nice. they give, yeah, nice cash the win there, uh, just because really feels like Dax has been the featured guy out of those two up to this point. Um, and those guys have uh, had great matches recently, and now only one of them will be in the tournament instead of both of them. So, yeah, it's a, it's a nice tournament quirk. I like the idea of all right, this is a singles tournament. You have this tag team. And they face each other, see who gets on. So I think that's kind of neat. All right. Well, I think that's everything. So uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya with two eyes. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, give us ratings and reviews if you're on uh, iTunes or whatever it's called now, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And make sure to subscribe at patreon.com slash everything elite. For Mike, I almost said for me, which doesn't make any fucking sense. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. Okay.